Eagles Entertainment. Welcome, Eagles, everywhere to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And hey, how about this to be thankful for? The Eagles at five and six are in a playoff chase. Well, I actually asked that question to Nick Sirianni. We'll hear his response in just a bit. Dave Spadaro with you. Um, excited about the way the Eagles are playing. Two wins in a row, three of their last four. The New York Giants on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. The Giants going through a tumultuous 3-7 and season. They fired offensive coordinator Jason Garrett this week. After a year and a half of work there. So um, we'll see what kind of impact that might have. On the Giants on Sunday, they're coming off a tough loss Monday night to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. John Schmilk from Giants.com will join me in just a bit to talk about everything Giants. They do have some key players back on offense. Dangerous team. Um, but boy, the Eagles have really played well against the Giants over the years here. Eight in a row until the Giants won last November 15th. But still, never a given in the NFC East. Never, ever, ever. Eagles are 5-6. and six. A lot of good things happening with this football team. They have been playing very well offensively, of course. The running game's been great. The pass game, led by Dallas Goddard and wide receiver Devontae Smith, who's going to join me in just a moment here. An exclusive with Devontae. Very hard to come by and very much appreciated. So I went in a bunch of different directions here with Devontae to kind of talk to him about you know, his love of the game and how he got into it and his approach to the game and kind of trying to Find out what makes a very reluctant to speak Devontae Smith tick on the football field. TJ Edwards also joins. He is the fifth Eagle to sign a contract extension this season. So we got a lot to get to on this very, very exciting episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Let's get right into it first with number six. The first round draft pick of the Eagles in the spring has absolutely lived up to expectations. He's been terrific. So let's find out a little bit about Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver from Alabama. What makes him tick? Among the many questions I ask. Um, I'd like to start with a conversation about the offense and the way it's been so productive. And could you describe the level of confidence that everybody has and what the team is doing, and why do you think this has all come together so well? Uh, I mean, everybody's confidence is is going higher and higher every week, and I think it's because um, just the offense becoming more balanced, us just being able to run the football efficiently and then coming to pass when we when we want to. So I think it just comes down to us being balanced, just making everybody more comfortable. It's interesting. You know, football is such a team game, and I wonder, Devontae, before I get into you, how much you value your teammates and, and what your teammates mean to you? I mean, they mean a lot. I mean, those guys come in with me every day, and um, we grind. So I mean, I know I know the work that they're putting in, the work that I'm putting in, and um, we're we're starting to get the results that we want. So I mean, it's important, and I mean, they mean a lot to me. Devonta, you had this amazing catch in Denver. Um, you've gotten a ton of reaction from it. Um, how do you feel about the attention that you've gotten from that catch? Um, I mean, that's that's what happens when you make plays. I mean, just going out there doing my job, Jalen giving me a chance to make a play, and I mean, I made it. So, I mean, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Everybody just dominating their box, making their one-on-one plays. Um, I read a story about you when you were in high school that you would look at yourself in a mirror or a window and you would do ten push-ups. Um, is that true? Number one, and then how did that that kind of program begin? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, I had an um, alarm go off every hour. 
and I do 25 push-ups. Um, I'd be in class and I and my alarm would go off and I'd do it. And um, I mean, that was just something that I wanted to do, just to try to get stronger, just in a little thing. So literally every hour you would just pop down and do 25 push-ups. Yeah, that's fantastic. You're such a competitive guy. Where did that competitiveness come from? Um, just kind of how I grew up. Um, just going to the park next door. Um, playing against the older guys, just being out there with them playing basketball, um, them always telling me I was too small and things like that, then going out there and getting a little chippy, um, kind of like where I got my edge from. People look at you now and they see somebody who's so confident on the football field in charge of what you're doing on the field, off the field. Was there ever a time that you didn't, maybe maybe that you felt intimidated on the football field? Um, nah, I, I don't think I was ever intimidated. Um, just growing confidence every week, um, just going to practice every day, just um, getting better every day was the main thing for me, just getting better. And as I got better, the confidence continued to grow. So there's a power of belief. Um, do you have that? Do you, do you believe that the power of belief can lead to good things? Uh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, I feel like if you don't believe in yourself and believe in your ability to do what you do, then that's where it all starts. If you don't have th that belief in yourself, then, I mean, you're not going to be as successful as you want to be. And how did you develop that? Any tips for people who are looking to be more positive in their life? How did it come about with you? Um, just staying true to myself, doing doing the things that got me here, just going back to my normal routine, not not changing things, not doing nothing out of the way, just being me. All right. I've also read, Demonte, that you broke your collarbone in high school. And I don't know how long it lasted, but for a while you didn't want to continue playing the game. Um, can you take me back to that time and kind of what was going through your mind and how did you get your, your love of the game back? Um, well, basketball was always my favorite sport. Um, everybody in my family played basketball. So that's just kind of what it was. And when that happened, it was just like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to focus on basketball. That's what I want to do anyway. But um, my mentor and my um, head coach at the time, they, they just kind of kept staying on me about, man, come on, come back out there. Um, my mentor was taking me to camps and things like that. And then um, I kind of realized it's not doing what I want to do. It was doing what was best for me and uh, football what was best for me. Did it come back to you right away as soon as you stepped back on the football field? You were like, hey, man, I really missed this? Um, no, nah, not really. I was still kind of in there. No, nah, I still want to play basketball. Okay. Uh, Devontae, you won the Heisman Trophy last year, and, and during your speech, you told all the kids out there, I'm quoting, uh, who are not the biggest, who are not the strongest, to keep pushing. Why was that message important for you to get out? Um, because, I, I mean, I wasn't the biggest, wasn't the strongest, so it was just like, if I could do it, you can do it, but it all comes down to believing in yourself, um, going to get what you want. I mean, you have to put the work in, but you have to most definitely believe in yourself. All right. Um, Devontae, football is something that's so important to you. You've said it in the past. You've really stressed how important football is. I wonder, how have you taken something that's you, – you really take the game seriously, but yet you really have a lot of fun when you're playing. You have so much enjoyment. How do you kind of mix those two? Is it is it tough to do at all? Um, no, it's not tough. It's just going out there just – Kind of when when you go on the field, you're in a different headspace. So it's just being out there, um, just enjoying every moment of it. And um, I believe at at the beginning, I was I was just kind of trying to find my find my way, kind of get into the groove, just try to see how how I can be on this next level. And um, I mean, it came down to me just just clearing my headspace, um, just not thinking so much on the field, just going out there and enjoying it. And I feel like that's what I've been doing lately. And um, I mean, when you're just out there with a clear headspace, it makes things a whole lot easier. 
What does a clear headspace mean exactly? Um, just not thinking so much about what you what you're gonna do. Just not going out there when you feel feel with the players. You out there thinking, oh, I'm gonna should I do this? Should I do that? Just going out there, just playing, just just going with the flow of the game. Do you feel you're dominating at the NFL level right now? Um, I feel like the past two weeks, um. I, I've been getting better, but that's just going um, out to practice, just being free, like I said, just going out there not thinking so much, just going out there just playing within the flow of the game. Tell me about NFL cornerbacks and how much better they are than at the college level. What do they do so well? Um, they disguise things a little longer. Um, you, it's it's kind of defenses disguise their coverages a lot more now, hold the coverages a little longer, so you just have to be able to adjust on the fly. Last one for you, Devontae. Um, Slay said that the score from your practice one-on-ones was two to one in favor of him. And if there had been a football on the field, he would have won three to nothing. What's your response to that? All right, so first off, we only did two reps. But if we did do three reps, it will be two one my way because he lost the last two reps regardless. Okay, so, so you are saying that you are the victor. Slay is saying that he is the victor. How, how does this get resolved? Might have to just do it again. I love it. Devontae, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. TJ Edwards, Eagles linebacker, came into the NFL as an undrafted rookie in 2019. And he is uh, somebody who's a part of this defense. He's played really well. One of the leading tacklers in the NFL these last few weeks of the season. He's been good. Now, with Devonte, with Davion Taylor out and on IR, the, the presence of Edwards and Alex Singleton really does take a an added importance here. So uh, it was a very a joyous occasion for TJ. Great kid. He's been on the podcast a lot, always available. Uh, he's made a lot of big plays. Two takeaways on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Had a chance to talk to him just minutes after he signed a deal that keeps him an eagle for another year, and he certainly is very happy about it. Here's TJ Edwards one-on-one. How was the locker room after that game? I can imagine the fun you were having. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was awesome. Just an absolute team win on all phases, you know, offense, defense, special teams, um, just making plays when we needed them. And um, guys just flying around, having fun. And it was just, it was good to be out there. You know, obviously the locker room was a party, so it was a great time. Uh, okay, so coming in, what were the priorities to take away from Denver? I think we just wanted to take away some of his first reads. Um, we know Teddy's just such a poised guy in the pocket. and uh, He does such a good job moving the ball. Uh, moving hook defenders with his eyes, and also their run game is very strong, and they're very, you know, they're very, they know what they want to do in the run game. So trying to take some of that away, while also trying to make him have to get to his second and third read, which was big for us this week. And uh, when we do that, you know, the big guys up front get to do what they do, and that's when uh, we're at our best. Denver was at, in the red zone five times. They scored one touchdown. What does that mean to you, TJ? Yeah, I mean, we just we got down there. We knew it was just bend if don't break. And, um, you had guys, just, you could feel it. You know, when I got in the huddle and was making the calls, you could feel the guys just wanting to make a play and wanting to um, stop the drive, you know, just because we knew in the last game we had a bit of taste in our mouth. So coming out in the red zone and obviously holding them the points is, is big time. So we, we definitely needed that. Super key moment, late third quarter, interception, Denver has the football at your 23-yard line. Fourth and one. Um, tell me what, ha- what what happened on that play from your perspective. The fumble? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – we were just in our short yardage defense, and, um, you know, we knew that we had to get some punches on the ball, and uh, I thought all, all day we were doing a good job of that, but we finally got one loose. 
couldn't tell who it was. Looked like Davion uh, from my perspective, but um, just seeing Slay, you know, big play Slay making plays with the ball, and it was awesome to see. Kind of everyone just trying to throw a block, and it felt like the longest play of my life. But it was it was awesome to see him in the end zone and celebrating after. So it was a big time play. Why did it feel like the longest play of your life? Uh, just when you know Slay got the ball, I knew he was going to try to make people miss, and um, you never really know where he's going to go. So it was it was uh, it was awesome though. I mean just guys running around trying to make blocks for him and um you know especially after the kind of a long drive guys were tired but uh just throwing blocks because we wanted to get in that end zone really bad and he's you know just doing what play does making big plays and he got in there tj from your standpoint how much has it helped you to get all these reps i mean once again you're around the football the entire game your level of comfort must be very high i mean just kind of go through it with me how everybody talks about more reps more reps more reps where you're getting them and you're being really productive yep. with those reps. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I think just, it just helps get into a rhythm of the game. Um, you know, you kind of get a feel of how the offense is trying to attack us that day. and um, You get a feel for how the guys next to you are playing things, how they're seeing things, and I think that builds and builds uh, just some, with the more reps and the more opportunities you get. So, um, you know, hopefully more of the same to come, but at the end of the day I'll be ready for whatever role I have. And uh, It's just felt good to go out there today and get a big-time win. Any special prep for the altitude in this game? Do you guys drink a lot of more more hydration or any sort of change to your diet during the week? Um, no, nothing too crazy. We were taking uh, beat shots to try to help with uh, just something with the blood oxygen levels in us. But I think you know we tried to be here for a short amount of time so that guys weren't in the weren't in the elevation for too long. I think that helped a lot. Uh, I didn't see too many people struggling or anything like that. You just saw guys with a will to to win. It felt like the whole team didn't really, didn't really care, care what the altitude was or anything like that. We wanted to win, and we knew that's what we needed to get. Is this a big big win for you? How big is this win? Put it in perspective. Yeah, I think it's massive. I just think uh, we knew that we had to put some really good football on tape, and guys were just hungry all week, you know, pissed off, upset that uh, we're not seeing the results that we know that we can we can provide. So just coming out there and, you know, still wasn't perfect, but it never is. Um but we knew that we just if we did what we had to do, you know, read our keys, played together, had each other's back, that we'd come out and win, and it felt great. It felt really good. And finally, TJ, what was the key to stopping a running game that had just last week destroyed the Cowboys? I think just getting multiple hats to the ball. Uh, you know, they have they do a great job with their own line and working up combinations for the backers and, um, you know, trying to work different box counts. But getting population to the ball to get these really good running backs they have down and, uh, that was a huge point in emphasis for us. We knew that they could make a lot of plays uh, if we gave them any type of space. And, um, they hit us for a couple early, and we knew we had to, uh, you know, just read our keys and, and do what we're supposed to do. And I think that was a, a big turning point for us. We knew we had to stop the run, but we knew that they can get the third down and our big guys can go eat. TJ, congratulations. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, appreciate you, Dave. Head coach Nick Sirianni has the Eagles surging Starting with the offensive line. So that's kind of where I began the conversation with Nick this week. And toward the end, yeah, I asked him about the playoffs. Wait until you hear his answer. Here we go. Our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Welcome to our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Coach, congrats on the win against the Saints. And I want to start with the offensive line. When you look at that group top to bottom, what are you seeing? You know, you see, the, it all starts with Jason Kelsey and, and Lane Johnson. Those two guys, 
Um, they, they lead us. Um, they're, they're phenomenal football players that, that just lead the way. And uh, they're playing really outstanding football. And then you got, and then you got Jordan Mulata, who's you know at the early stages of his career. I thought he played an outstanding game yesterday. And then you got some guys that are playing. You know, I know Jack played a little bit last year, but he is in his second year. And you got Landon and Landon Dickerson playing on the other the other guard spot. You just see those guys evolving and getting and getting better. Um, you know, I, I just I continue to see Landon push guys out of the way, and you know being physical at the point of attack. And so you just see the group playing as a whole really well. Um, you know, we talk about game balls, and when we give out game balls, it's like, hey, if, if you ever rush for over 200 yards on the offensive line, you're getting the game ball. Well, we just, it seems like we just keep giving the game ball to the, the offensive line because we keep doing that, and, uh, and it all starts with them, and they're, and they're playing really good football right now. It's interesting watching you use the running backs. Running backs want the football. You've been able to go through a pretty deep group here and keep everybody happy. How, how do you, what's the formula for that? Uh, I just think they're all, they're all, they see each other um, having success. I think that's a, well, uh, a tight group of guys that, that, you know, see Miles sees Jordan have success and Jordan sees uh, Boston have success and Boston sees Kenny have success and they're genuinely happy for each other. Um, Jamal, uh, Jamal Singleton is doing a great job of coaching them, and they're just doing a good job when they get the ball in their hands of seeing the hole, seeing the way the offensive line and the tight ends have paved the way, and hitting the hole and, and making good runs. And uh, you know, and, and sometimes a good runs is when it when you might lose a, lose one yard, but you wedge it up in there and you gain three. That's a, that's a good run sometimes. So it's sometimes it's, a, it's an explosive run. So you know, it's happened different ways, and uh, I think the guys are genuinely excited when Jalen gets a big run, right? Because when Jalen gets a big run, it holds that backside just a little bit more. Um, because the, you know the defense has to respect Jalen keeping the ball, and so again, just a, this is a this is a close group of, of guys, not just on the offense, but also on the defense, and just together as an entire team. Um, and so you know, genuinely, they're happy for each other when they have success. From an evaluation perspective, what makes Jalen such a great runner? Um, he's elusive. He's strong. I think a misconception is like, okay, Jalen had 18 carries yesterday. He must be pretty sore today. Uh, he knows how to get, not take a hit, and you know because he they're they're trying to get him down, and so he knows how to get skinny. He knows how to get down. He knows he's not trying to play. You know, not trying to go out there and take big hits. We don't want him to take big hits. So you know, again, he's elusive. He's got he's got good speed. He's got he's elusive, as you saw on the on the big time touchdown run yesterday. Um, and he, does, you know, he's strong. He's it's hard to tackle this guy. Built. He's, you know, I know there's a video out there of him deadlifting all that weight at, at Lane's house. Um, you know, he's built strong, and he was a power lifter in high school. And then again, like I said, he just knows how to get down and not take the big hit. It's obvious, Nick, that he's earned his teammates' respect. How do you think he's done that? Coming to work every single day, uh, being, you know, being when you're the the leader of the team, as being a quarterback, what you are. You know, he comes to work every single day. And it's not just, you know, I know he said the phrase of your rent's due every day. And he's just not saying that. He's living it, right? He comes in here. He's the, he's one of the first guys in. He's it's always in my I, – I don't see anybody leave later than he does. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he works at it. Um, he, he rarely makes the same mistake. Uh, twice, and he's just he's just a relentless worker, and so I think I think a lot you, you got to respect that, right? A guy who's you know hasn't been given everything, and he ta- and he earns everything he's got, and so 
um, you know, I think that's, that, that's, that's an easy thing to follow. Nick, we're in week 12. You have not had a bye week. It's late in the season, a lot of football being played. How do you balance keeping players fresh and getting them sharp for game days? You know, what we, we've done here in the last couple of weeks is, is walk through on Wednesday, uh, try to get the guys out, sleeping in a little bit more, trying to get the guys out. You know, we, had a victor- we were able to have victory Monday this week and last week. Again, it's always about how do we keep these guys fresh. And so they're, they're you know, they're moving and, and playing fast when, when uh, you know, Sunday comes. And so everything that we think about is, is with these players' health and interest at heart and uh, just so they can, they can be at their best. Nick, this team has signed five players during the season. TJ Edwards, the most recent. What does that signify to you? Shoot, good drafting uh, for the for most part. You know, for the first part of that, you know that these guys, you know, not only dra- you know Howie and his staff not only drafted uh, good talented players because it always starts with that, but also guys you want to keep around the building long term. And so, uh, you know that that's the that's first and foremost. And then you know got these guys, you know, you could have talent. Right, you can have talent. You can be a hard worker, but you know you got to produce. These guys have produced too, and so uh, just super excited that we're able to to lock these guys up and have them in the building uh, for the years to come. Final one for you. Um, do you feel like you're in a playoff race now at five and six? Is there messaging that you have to the team? Yeah, Dave. The message is let's go. You know, let's go and let's let's take care of the next game next, and and not think about anything else because. You know, when you start thinking like, well, if this team loses and that team, like that's fun to do, in my opinion, as a fan, as a coach and as a player that you have, you have to lock in. Nothing else matters if you don't take care of your business. So our message is, how do we go one and oh today? How do we get a little bit better today to put ourselves in position to win the next game? And who cares who we play in two weeks? You know, Alex Tanny, Joe Casper, Eric Dickerson, they got they got TJ, TJ Pagnetti. They got to care who we play in a couple weeks because they got to break down all the games. But who cares who we play in two weeks? Who cares about who we play in three weeks? Let's just focus on the Giants. Let's do everything we need to do to win this game. We handle our business. We'll be in a position we want to be in as we continue to go down the road. Good luck on Sunday against the Giants, our weekly one-on-one with head coach Nick Sirianni. Coach, thanks so much, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah, thanks. You too, Dave. The New York Giants were not happy with the Eagles at the end of the 2020 season. The Eagles, as you remember, finished the year on Sunday Night Football, Football Night in America. And head coach Doug Peterson pulled the starters, including Jalen Hurts, at least some of the starters. So a lead evaporated to a loss. The Washington football team wins the game, wins the division. The Giants are steaming mad. Eli Manning tweeted out, that's why we don't like the Eagles, which Fletcher Cox responded, we don't like you either. So Saquon Barkley was wondering what was going on in, in the Twitter, Twitter world. It was fun. Darius Slayton saying that the Eagles disrespected the game. Um, so there's a little bit of bad blood here, as there is within the NFC East. John Schmielk, Giants.com, joins me to talk about a team that, to this point, has not performed under second-year head coach Joe Judge. On Tuesday, the team firing Jason Garrett after a year and a half as the offensive coordinator. So there are some problems, but the Giants are always dangerous. Let's get the inside look at the New York Giants as the Eagles get ready to take the road. Five of their last six games against NFC East opponents beginning Sunday at MetLife Stadium.
John, thanks so much for joining here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Um, well, I guess we get to the immediate news. Um, change at offensive coordinator. You know, what's happening with the offense? What does it mean for Sunday's game with Freddie Kitchens calling the plays? Well, here's here's the captain obvious statement. The the offense has not been good, um, <laughs> and obviously they're looking for it to get better, which is why you know Joe Judge decided to make the change. It is interesting. The Giants were coming off their bye week last week, and now they have a short week off a Monday night game to make the change now instead of last week. It has been reported by multiple media outlets that um, that Freddie Kitchens is going to call the plays, but Joe Judge had a media availability shortly after the move with Garrett. And he refused to reveal who would be calling the play. He said they'll figure out who will be doing what on game day as the week goes along and putting the game plan together will be collaborative. Wouldn't even rule himself out as someone that, that would call play. So I think he's doing one of those deals where he's trying to make sure the Eagles have to prepare for a couple of different play callers during the week. So we'll know on Sunday, obviously, based on, you know, who is the headset and all that stuff. But look, I, I think they're just looking to be more explosive, Dave. You know, the team has not been able to get a lot of explosive plays on the board. Uh, they have weapons, a lot of which have been hurt this year, but now they're all back healthy. Andrew Thomas, the starting left tackle, is back. But they have not gotten a lot of explosive plays. They're averaging under 20 points per game. But I'll add this, too, just as someone that sits down and watches the tape, you know, after every game. You can change the offensive coordinator until the offensive line starts blocking people. It's really, as you well know, once the offensive line falls apart, it doesn't matter who's calling plays or what plays you're calling. It really doesn't much matter. Yeah, I mean, you guys have really look. Let's talk about some of those injuries because I mean, Kenny Galladay not been healthy. Saquon hasn't been healthy. I think what uh, Shepard's been out. I mean, Kadarius Tony's been out. Andrew Thomas. There's a long list. Yeah. So can, can you get it to, with everybody back on a short week? Because we don't want you to get it together for this week. I mean, let's be honest. We want you to still <laughs> score, score low. But but is have you been close? Like it, when it's all been whole, John. Have you seen the ability there, the, the big play ability? Yeah, yeah, look, yeah, we we saw it in the Saints game. It was a game that it was the Giants' best one of the year. Uh, they got close to 30 points in that game. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter, came back, won that game late. And that was the game where pretty much everyone was healthy. Sterling Shepard was out there. Tony was out there. Gaudi was out there. Saquon was out there. Andrew Thomas was at left tackle. And it worked, and you saw it. And it was fun. And the Saints are a good defense, too, right? So uh, that was the game where you said, all right, well, maybe this can be something. And then Shepard goes out. And then Tony goes out. Then Galladay goes out. Now, everyone is pretty much back now except for Sterling Shepard. He missed Monday night's game with a quad injury. Everyone else is pretty much back in the lineup. And I think the disappointment, and, and I'm guessing he didn't, Joe Judge did not say this, one of the reasons they decided to make the move when they did is that you had everyone else back on the field. And then they still failed to really put up you know, points against Tampa. And remember, you look at the point total, it's it's not good on, on a whole. And then you realize seven of those points came on an interception that basically bounced off Mike Evans' chest and went right to Adoree Jackson that gave the ball at the Bucks' five-yard line. And you realize the offense was even less productive than what the final score might have indicated. John, let's talk about Saquon. I mean, what a tremendous talent. It's so tragic that the injuries have really uh, taken him off the field. How healthy is he? How close to vintage Saquon Barkley has he looked? Yeah, you know, he played almost 100. I think he was around 85 to 90 percent of the snaps in his first game back on Monday night against Tampa. So I think he's fine in terms of being able to play. I don't think he's going to be limited in any way that way. You know, Saquon said after the game that his feet need to catch up to the rest of his body. 
And I think that's just a matter of getting a feel, getting a rhythm, getting used to playing the position again. We saw that a little bit at the start of the year when he was coming off that ACL, and it took him a game or two to get into the groove. Uh, my bet is that coming off his ankle sprain, it's probably not going to be quite as long of a process. So I think the Giant hopes hope that now that, he has, now that he has some snaps in the game under his belt, that the rest will come pretty quickly. He looked explosive. He looked like he had some good bounce, good speed. Now the question is how quickly that feel comes back and the rhythm and the pattern that you need in order to run the ball effectively in the NFL. Last one for the offense, Daniel Jones. Um, you know, there's always questions about the quarterback. Is he the franchise guy? What kind of progress has he made? You know, until the last couple of games, Dave, I last, you know, and then and the Bucking specifically, I really thought he was making really good progress this year. He had cut the turnovers down a lot, um, and even though they weren't asking him to do a lot because of the issues around him, I thought he was playing pretty efficiently. He was pretty accurate. Um, if you're into the whole PFF thing, his PFF grade this year has generally been pretty good, um, and he's been a better decision maker. And that's with the offensive line in front of him that's really leaky. Um, against Tampa, for example, there was a 48% pressure rate highest in the league uh, this uh, this past week. And all the receivers being out. So I thought he was doing well given what was around him. But then you saw against Tampa Bay, two interceptions again pop up. One, he faced pressure, kind of just threw, looked like he was trying to throw the ball away, threw it right to uh, Steve McClendon, who was a nose tackle for, uh, for the Bucs. Then he threw another interception later in the game. And, you know, when everything is good around him and he has protection, he can deliver the ball accurately. He can run. He's a good runner on design runs, read option stuff. But when things break down and he ha- and he's getting pressured, sometimes he still makes some bad decisions. And he's not great at scrambling to create more time to throw it. He can scramble to run it, but he doesn't do that, you know, Josh Allen patching a home thing where he dances in the pocket, you know, buys time and then makes a big throw down the field. So those are the things that he still needs to work on. He's gotten better, uh, but I don't think he's he's gotten quite where they want him to be yet. John, as you know, the Eagles have really run the football very well. Jalen Hurts has taken a lot of strides here in year number two. How equipped are the Giants defensively? for a very strong run game and a quarterback who has so much versatility and a wide receiver, Devontae Smith, who's played very well as a rookie. Yeah, I'm sure Giant fans aren't going to like to hear me say this uh, this week when, when I do our program and getting ready for the Eagles. I don't think this is a great matchup for the Giants' defense. Um, you know, they haven't faced great run teams the last few weeks. The Raiders don't really want to run it. The Chiefs really don't want to run it. The Panthers didn't have Christian McCaffrey, and the Bucks want to throw the ball too, right? So you look at their running defense the last few weeks, it looks okay. But then you realize who they played, and those teams want to throw the ball. You go back a few weeks before that, they played the Rams. They ran all over the Giants. They played the Cowboys. They kind of ran it all over the Giants. And I think the Eagles are much more in line with Dallas and the Rams in terms of their ability to run the ball with their excellent offensive line, you know, read option hurts, you know, Sanders, all that stuff, you know, Howard's been good. And since they lost Blake Martinez to a season ending ACL injury earlier in the year, combined with the fact that Dalvin Tomlinson, a really good run stopping nose tackle up in free agency, their run defense has not been what it was last year, which is really one of the strengths of the team. So if I'm the Eagles, that's something I attack. They're kind of rotating uh, Bernardrick McKinney, who they brought in with their two starters, Reggie Ragland and Tay Crowder uh, at those linebacker positions. But uh, that's something that the Giants, who like to play two safeties deep at the snap, they want to try to stop the run with their front. 
if they try to do that, I, I can see the Eagles having success with that offensive line running the ball. John, last one for you. The last time we heard from the Giants, it was after the Eagles lost to the Washington football team in the season finale 2020. The Eagles took Jalen Hurts out of the game. They lost the lead. Washington won the game, won the division, and the Giants were not happy about that at all. We know there's bad blood. It's the NFC East. Any lingering impact, you think, from the way that 2020 season ended? You know, we haven't had any questions this week about that yet. Then again, the, you know, the Giants also just moved on from the offensive coordinator, so I imagine the media will probably get there at some point. Uh, but that hasn't been a, a source of conversation yet. It was so long ago and so much is happening. My guess is that everyone's going to be more concerned with what's happening in this building than what happened last year. And I will say this too, Dave. You know, people took individual chunks of what Joe Judge said after that last game of the year last year that made it seem like he was, you know, blaming the Eagles for the Giants not making the playoffs. And what often wasn't played back was the first part of that statement where he said, guys, look, we have no one to blame but ourselves. We put ourselves in this scenario. We had to depend on another team to win a game for us to make the playoffs, and that's on us. And he also said that. It just didn't get played and publicized quite as much. So I don't think Joe Judge is thinking about that at all. You know, could that be And that will do it for this episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Dave Spadero with you. Thanks so much for joining. Hope you're all having a happy and safe Thanksgiving week and weekend and the big Sunday for the Eagles coming up. Make sure you're with us every step of the way. Thanks to Peter Kelly, Julie McLaughlin, Ray Doyle for their work on this podcast. Thanks to all of you for joining each and every episode. If you have a moment to give us a review, we love those five stars. There's a link in the details section of your podcast library. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Thanks for joining, everyone. Make sure you're with me on Sunday evening for the Instant Reaction Podcast from MetLife Stadium. Have a great Eagles Day, everyone. Fly, Eagles, fly, and go Birds!